My name is Jessamine Anderson Frain, and you're listening to Becoming Beauty. Our hearts were made for the infinite, so the ache we feel for more than this earthly life should drive us forward. But to where? And how do we get there? In this podcast, we're exploring what it practically and tangibly means, as C.S. Lewis says, to be united with the beauty we see and become part of it. This requires our entire being, body and soul, so we'll need both to journey well. Let us begin. The secret of happiness is to live moment by moment and to thank God for what he is sending us every day in his goodness. St. Gianna Mola. Welcome to another episode of Becoming Beauty. This week, we are celebrating the American holiday of Thanksgiving, so it feels appropriate to do an episode all about gratitude. We're going to define what gratitude is and talk about what it isn't, discuss why we should be grateful in the first place, and then we're going to look at different ways to practically practice the art of gratitude, especially as we head into the holidays. So let's just dig in with the definition. That's part one. We're going to start with the definition. So Oxford Dictionary defines gratitude as the quality of being thankful. I can just end the podcast there, right? (laughs) I'm kidding. It sounds really simple, right? Like just be thankful. Yet I find myself complaining all the time about shallow things or focusing too much attention on the hard things happening in my life. And in those moments when I lack gratitude, you know what happens? My life becomes all about me, myself, and I. A lack of gratitude, a lack of thankfulness leads to selfishness. This is a clear pattern and I am sure I am not alone in this. But when I shift from the mindset that everything around me stinks to a mindset of gratitude for the good things I do have, my attention starts to turn outward away from myself and toward the people I love and toward the most important person, God. When we practice gratitude, it is natural that our attention turns to God because every blessing and every good thing we have comes from him. James 1.17 says, All good giving and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no alteration or shadow caused by change. When our attention is turned to God in gratitude, we are better able to see God in all things, which is what we've been, we've been talking about these last few weeks. So let's review that process real quick. Step one, shift our mindset from everything stinks, which is inwardly focused, to look at all the blessings in my life, outwardly focused toward God. Step two, We express gratitude for the good things in our lives, all of which come from God. Step three, when we recognize that all these good things come from God, we start to see God in all good things. And that changes everything. When we see God in all things, we start to count the smallest and simplest things as graces in our everyday lives. I'm going to share some examples of that later when we talk about how to practice gratitude practically. After my mom passed away a few years ago, my sister and I decided to get tattoos in her handwriting. I swear this story is related to the topic at hand, so just like hold with me, okay? 
My sister and I have different tattoos, but they're in the same spot on the side of our right arms near our wrists. Mine says in her absolutely perfect cursive, all is grace. These words were the theme of the homily given at her funeral mass, and they were inspired by this quote from St. Therese. No doubt it is a great grace to receive the sacraments. When God does not permit it, it is good too. Everything is grace. She is saying that there is grace present in both the times when we receive what we ask for and the times we do not. The priest who presided at her funeral mass used this message to remind us that there was grace, despite the feeling that all of our prayers for my mom's healing went unanswered in a way that at least satisfied us. Because in a way, she was healed of all earthly suffering by going to the arms of Jesus, but that was not what we asked for. And still, there is grace. He also used this message to describe my mom's attitude towards life, which was one of great hope and encouragement despite all the immense suffering she endured in her last few months. She was not perfectly at peace about death all the time, don't get me wrong, but she still carried the hope of Christ with her, and that hope impacted more souls than we will ever know on this side of heaven. Gratitude, seeing everything as grace, demands that we rejoice in God even when things are hard or prayers seem unanswered or we're facing unforeseen challenges. Psalm 100 sums this up really beautifully, so I'm going to read the whole psalm. It's not very long. A psalm of thanksgiving. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful song. Know that the Lord is God. He made us. We belong to him. We are his people, the flock he shepherds. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. Good indeed is the Lord. His mercy endures forever. His faithfulness lasts through every generation. Notice there are no qualifiers here. It does not say, rejoice when things are going well, or rejoice when you feel up to it. This is a call to rejoice always, not just despite hard things, but in the midst of them. Now, I don't want you to get the impression that I have mastered this virtue and I'm standing up here teaching all of you. (laughs) No, I am working on gratitude constantly and it's easier in some seasons than others. But developing this skill is incredibly important if we want to order our lives toward God and remain hopeful, joyful, loving, gracious people. So while we're in the process of defining what gratitude is, I think it's equally important to note what gratitude is not. During the week of Thanksgiving in 2019, the Abiding Together podcast, my favorite faith-based podcast, released an episode about gratitude. And it felt particularly poignant because my mom had passed away just a few months earlier. I have never forgotten something that Heather, one of the hosts, said about gratitude. She was talking about the fact that gratitude does not dismiss the hard things we're experiencing. When we're suffering, we can acknowledge our emotions, 
and also recognize that God is still good. So she said, these things go hand in hand, the, the practice of gratitude and the acknowledgement of sorrow. As Christians, we often turn our backs on sorrow, thinking that it's somehow a sin to feel sad or to feel other negative emotions, but this is false. This is false. So if you have believed this, please like speak truth over that, okay? Sorrow is part of our lives, and the Lord does not look poorly upon our sorrow. He sits in it with us. So please know that practicing gratitude does not mean we shove away negative emotions in favor of a happy attitude. Practicing gratitude is a skill that helps us maintain a rightly ordered perspective on suffering so we can keep our eyes fixed on Jesus by seeing all the blessings he offers us and the truth that he is still good in the midst of our suffering. Okay, so now we've defined gratitude and we've talked about what it is and what it isn't. So let's look at why we should be grateful. So it seems like, well, we, it's obvious we have a lot to be grateful for, but I think it's good to look in more detail at why specifically we are called to an attitude of gratitude, if that's how you want to think of it. So yes, we have been given many blessings. Yes, grace is ever present throughout all our days. But what is the point of gratitude beyond recognizing God's constant presence? I found a lot of scripture about Thanksgiving, which I will share in a moment, but I also wanted to see what the church has to say about gratitude. So I checked the catechism and it says this. This is catechism 2637 and 2638. It says, Thanksgiving characterizes the prayer of the church, which in celebrating the Eucharist reveals and becomes more fully what she is. Indeed, in the work of salvation, Christ sets creation free from sin and death to consecrate it anew and make it return to the Father for his glory. The thanksgiving of the members of the body participates in that of their head. As in the prayer of petition, every event and need can become an offering of thanksgiving. The letters of St. Paul often begin and end with thanksgiving, and the Lord Jesus is always present in it. So what the catechism is saying here is that we participate in Christ's very life, death, and resurrection when we practice gratitude. We share in his work of salvation when we offer thanksgiving for all that is happening in our lives. So I love at the beginning of of 2637, it says, Thanksgiving characterizes the prayer of the church, which when we celebrate the Eucharist, reveals and becomes more fully what she is. So that's saying that the church, and we are the church, right? We become more fully what we are supposed to be when our lives are characterized by thanksgiving. So there is so much grace that comes out of our gratitude, and gratitude plays a much larger role in God's work in this world than we realize. So now we have looked at what gratitude is and what gratitude isn't. We've talked about why we're supposed to practice gratitude. So now we're going to talk about how we actually do it. So let's, let's look at some practical ways we can do this because I think sometimes, especially in a faith or theology space, it can be really easy to, to, to think about things in a lofty way or to have these ideas of like, oh, my life's just going to look perfect or it's going to look like this if I, you know, have this attitude, but it's like, yeah, but how do we do it? It's faith and action. It's faith and works. So while writing this podcast episode, 
what I decided to do was to look up a variety of scripture passages to see what the Bible specifically has to say about gratitude. I also thought of a few verses that I already knew that have guided me toward a more grateful life. And so I also included those. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to share a verse and then talk about how to practically apply it to this particular topic of gratitude. So the first one that came to mind was Matthew 6:33, which says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Don't let this one just go in one ear and out the other because you've heard it a million times. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek for No, like think about that and what that has to say about gratitude. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be given you besides. He's saying, don't worry about everything else. I've got it. Keep your eyes fixed on me. The first thing that came to mind was um, that I, my, my journey of, of, minimalism. I hesitate to call myself a minimalist because you wouldn't walk in my house and think that I'm a minimalist, but I have done a lot of work over the last few years with minimizing my possessions. So I plan to do an entire episode about my journey down the line, but I wanted to touch on it here because it's, it's very closely related. I have decluttered an enormous amount of things over the last few years, and I've learned that it's much easier to be grateful for what I do have when I have less of it and am committed to maintaining a simpler material life. When I allow my desire for more material possessions to take center stage, it's like I suddenly see all these areas of lack in my life. Like, like, I don't have that thing and I don't have that thing and I want that thing, but I don't have it. But when I remember how much more peaceful my home and my heart feels with less stuff, I am overwhelmed with gratitude for the things that we own. The only way I'm able to maintain that focus and to maintain that gratitude is when I remember to seek God's kingdom first. When I keep my eyes fixed on Jesus and remember that he is always providing for me, I don't find myself adding things to my Amazon wish list quite as much. (laughs) When I keep my eyes fixed on Jesus and seek his kingdom and keep my eyes fixed on, on our eternal reward of heaven, I pour way more time and energy into loving my family well, instead of looking for the next thing to buy for our home. And I will tell you, it is extremely difficult to maintain this mindset during the holiday season. It is true. My wish list is lengthy. There are a lot of books on there, (laughs) a lot of books, and I love to shop for my daughter. I have, it's my first child. Kid stuff is so fun. It's so much fun to like live through her with all these beautiful things I wish I'd had as a kid. But if I allow my wants to take all of my attention away from seeking the Lord during the season of Advent, my heart will be a stressed out mess and I will lack the peace that God desires to give me, especially in this season as we prepare for his birth. So seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness by minimizing your possessions and turning away from the consumerism and the materialism that so often pull our attention away from the real reason for this upcoming season. The second verse is Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. And it says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in all circumstances give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. I look at this as an invitation to practice gratitude throughout the entire day to acknowledge that God is always at work. This is prayer without ceasing. As a mother and a wife, 
my prayer without ceasing does not mean that I'm on my knees in an adoration chapel for eight hours a day. That is not where the Lord has called me. Does that minimize the importance of adoration? No. Does that minimize the importance of religious life and people who are called to more hours of prayer per day than I am? No. But in my season of life, practicing gratitude and praying without ceasing has to happen throughout my day and throughout the work that the Lord has put before me. When we open our eyes to the ways that God is constantly at work in our lives, we will start to see him everywhere. This is what we've talked about, right? The last few weeks. We will see him everywhere. And then when we do that, we can thank him for all the little things. A parking spot that's close to the cart return. (laughs) A washer and a dryer. A child taking an unexpectedly long nap. Oh, praise God. Every time that happens. A good grade on an exam discovering like a really lovely Spotify playlist, all the parts of dinner somehow coming together right on time. Praise God for all these good things. He is the giver of many good gifts and we can respond to his generosity and his work in our life throughout the day with our praise and thanksgiving. The third verse comes from the book of James, James chapter one, verses two to three. He says, consider it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials, for you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Even when we are hurting and suffering and sorrowful, we can remain grateful for the Lord's goodness. A, just because he is good and that is enough, but also because the pain that he has allowed in our lives is an opportunity for offering and redemption. That suffering is not in vain. This particular area of gratitude likely comes less naturally to most of us. Earlier, I mentioned an episode of the Abiding Together podcast where Heather Kim says that gratitude doesn't diminish the sorrow we experience. And like I said, that episode came out a few months before my mom passed away. I have never, ever experienced such deep suffering as I did in that time. And it was incredibly hard to focus on gratitude in the midst of grief. I listened to that episode and I was like, you want me to do what? You want me to be thankful? (laughs) Like my mom is dead. You want me to be thankful? How dare you? You know, Um, it was really difficult. But then when I listened to her words and I realized that that gratitude doesn't diminish my sorrow or take away from the importance of walking through that sorrow, I found her words really freeing. Because I could still see God's goodness while in the deep, deep waters of grief. And the Lord didn't expect me to get over my sadness in order to be grateful for all he was doing. And I will tell you on the other side, I mean, I am still going, I will be grieving the rest of my life. That's how grief works. But many years down the line, right, I can say that all that suffering has borne great fruit in my life. And I am hopeful that the graces from that suffering poured into the lives of others. My faith was majorly tested in that season, but it grew stronger and stronger because I had to rely on the Lord in an entirely new way. And I had to be very real with him about my anger toward him, my confusion. I had a lot of questions. My faith was majorly tested, but... That invitation to rely on the Lord in a new way, that invitation to practice gratitude in the midst of deep suffering helped me to move further away from my self-reliant tendencies. 
And if that is the only fruit that comes from that, that is enough because I need a lot of help with those tendencies. So there's, there's great redemption of all of the sorrow that we experience. The next verse is from Colossians chapter three, it's 15 through 17. St. Paul writes, let the peace of Christ control your hearts and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as in all wisdom you teach and admonish one another, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. All that is true, good, and beautiful comes from God. We don't produce any of that on our own. It's from God and for God, and we have a responsibility to recognize that in all we do. Bake a beautiful loaf of bread, praise God. Master a song you've been practicing for a long time, praise God. Actually practice patience in a really tough situation, praise God. (laughs) Everything we do is for God's glory. So we should praise him with our words and actions and allow his goodness to shine through all that we say and do. So that wraps up the scripture that I wanted to share with you. And I know that there are many, many more parts of scripture that talk about gratitude and thanksgiving, but I'm going to leave that continued discovery up to you. Whether we're in a season of celebration or suffering, we are called to maintain a spirit of gratitude. Remember that practicing gratitude does not mean we're ignoring or shoving aside our sorrow. The Lord desires to sit with us when we're hurting. But maintaining a spirit of gratitude and keeping our eyes fixed on Christ helps us to see that the Lord is offering us reasons to rejoice even when we are hurting. His presence alone is an enormous gift to us, and we should praise him in thanksgiving for this, despite anything difficult going on around us, and especially in seasons of joy. As we head into Thanksgiving and then into Advent and Christmas, I pray that we can hold tight to this gratitude and keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and his kingdom. Jesus will always provide for our every need. I know I will be working extra hard to remember that when the Christmas cookies and the wrapping paper and the Amazon deals come out in the next few days. And I hope you'll join me on that journey. As usual, I'm going to share what I've deemed my something beautiful at the end of every episode. So I have yet another recipe to share. I love recipes. Um, and it's this, is one, this one is special. It's from my mom's recipe box. She made the absolute best sweet potato casserole for Thanksgiving. Don't try to fight me on that because it is the truth. And now the responsibility has fallen on my sister and me. Sometimes we've been together for Thanksgiving and she's usually made it. But the last few years I've been with my my husband's family and I've made it for them and they love it too. It has no marshmallows, okay? None of that weird marshmallow stuff, but it has lots of butter and lots of brown sugar. It is seriously delicious. So I'm gonna leave a link to that amazing recipe in the show notes. And if it's too late for you to whip it out for Thanksgiving, tuck it away for Christmas or just a random Wednesday night, okay? We don't have to wait for the holidays to have a delicious meal. Your families or your roommates will thank you. So enjoy. I hope you have a lovely week and a very happy Thanksgiving. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Becoming Beauty. I hope today's episode blessed you. There are a few simple things you can do to share the message you heard today. One, 
Share this episode with a friend who needs it. Two, share this episode on social media. Three, leave a rating and a review so more people can find this podcast. I would so appreciate your help getting this podcast into the ears, hearts, and minds of more people. Have a lovely week.